welcome to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Matt, and that's Ryan. Ryan, hey, Mr. Interview, I don't have to answer you. You know, I've committed a funky crime against the state of mind. It's crazy. We had like 40 songs to pick from, and we, <laughs> and we both we both picked from the same song. I, you know, it's, it's interesting to think about the game theory of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, of like, I think we both did not want to choose from a famous song on Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which is one of the two Red Hot Chili Peppers albums that we're discussing. So we chose uh, a song from um, uh, from the Uplift Mo- MoFo Party Plan, uh, and, and we didn't want to go for the first song, so we went for the second song and that's how we landed at the funky crime equilibrium I guess, uh, right there yeah i guess so there's there's a little bit i mean I, I to me there's a little more to it than than that but i think that that is more more or less it but funky crime uh expresses something that i really felt strongly about the uplift uh, <laughs> get ready for a whole episode of this the uplift mofo party plan um, it almost sounds like a an elocution exercise, right? Uh, yes. the, the uplift mofo party plan. Right, around the rugged rocks, the ragged rascal uplift mofo party plan. Um, that we're uh, and uh, as you know from last week, we uh, did RHCPs. I did that right. RHCPs, uh, the getaway. Yeah, the, ch- the Chili Peppers are indeed red hot. <laughs> the getaway uh, last week, their recent record, and we are using the opportunity uh, on a great Scoville scale musical Scoville scale of Chili Pepper hotness um, to transition back into our uh, into our historical quarter and back into the eighties and into the nineties. And, uh, it, uplift mofo party plan, um, occurred to us because it was, uh, it lands us where we want to start our progression. That is to say 1987. And, uh, we're also in an anniversary year, uh, 25th anniversary for, uh, 1991, which was really a miraculous year in music. If you just go to the Wikipedia list of like top albums from 1991 or just what, you know, the year end chart, uh, what were the biggest albums of 1991? It is like the hits just keep on coming, uh, in 1991. And one of those was Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which, you know, I, maybe their most successful album. It was definitely, uh, one that uh, I, me and my friends were super aware of, um, at the time. And, uh, it, so, so, um, it allows us to do a couple things. One is to sort of use the chili peppers as a pivot to, uh, to get back in time, um, to talk about what it means to, to go back in time and to kind of characterize the, the different eras that, that we're talking about, uh, by contrasting them. And also to kind of, uh, bookend the era that we want to consider in this next historical quarter, which is going to stretch roughly, uh, in the five year, um, in the five year stretch from 1987 to 1991. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's that's five years, even though the subtraction doesn't work out that way. Good luck to us, because we are the podcast that spent like uh, three months talking about, what, 1982? 
in music. Uh, I mean, look, it was the year I was born, so it was a heck of a year. It was, uh, a, it was a heck of a And the hits keep on coming from Ryan uh, as well. Um, another thing that's interesting a, a little bit uh, as we talk about 19, 1991, and this may be, I mean, this may be for the very end of this historical quarter or the, the beginning of the next historical quarter, is that we're getting into some sacred texts for us, right? Because this is the era at which we, uh, Ryan and I are a couple years apart in age, but about the, but I think he was precocious and I was perhaps a little behind. Uh, so right, right around the same time, um, we started becoming aware of music and, and of music as something that sort of, uh, could constitute or uh, yeah, could uh, begin to constitute our own identity, uh, separate from our parents, separate from, uh, other groups of losers at school, or maybe we were the losers and kind of solidified our loserness through the, the music that, that we chose, you know, what, whatever it is, we're getting into that time that like super influential sort of musical adolescence which is really the musical coming of age uh, time. And so, um, you know, w- with that as a, as a, as a table setting, uh, we launch into Uplift MoFo Party Plan from 1987, which is the third studio album uh, from Red Hot Chili Peppers and Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which is the fifth from uh, from 1991 and has some of the, the best known Chili Pepper songs, um, best known Chili Pepper songs on it. I don't know. Do you want to do you want to do any more prolegomenon uh, for uh, for the pre-listening part of the podcast? Um, I, I think the one is just a, a, we have a, it's not a parental advisor. It's a listener advisory. Um, you know, it, like I, I think, and we can maybe talk a little bit about this. So I have a great affection for, um, for the singles from blood sugar, sex magic. Um, because I was a, um, as I've uh, talked about on here, a avid watcher of MTV. Um, I have a lot of memories of give it away. Um, and under the bridge. Um, I did not ever own this album. And in fact, because it had the parental advisor, Advisory sticker, and my parents really took that advi- the advisories uh, of of Tipper Gore and the uh, and 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 her colleagues very seriously, um, and so I did not um, did not have this album. And I'll, I'll, I will say that I and, and Matt will Matt will confirm this is that Blood Sugar Sex Magic is a challenging listen. Oh uh, man, it is seventeen tracks. Uh, it is, I believe, it's like um, seventy-five minutes. It's a full. Yeah. It's a full CD. Yeah, they go, they go, they go. They just they pack that CD. Yeah, they they used every inch of digital space. It like, is a not. It is a non-compact disc, right? <laughs> it is is kind of the op- opposite of a compact uh, disc. <laughs> it is a it is an overstuffed, um, ponderous disc. <laughs> um, and and I think that and so don't give up though. Um, I think that and and find a different ways. I think that going to uh, upload Mo- Mofo Party Plan um, can help um because i think that it is much more brisk it's much more kind of um coherent um actually even even though it's not on the syllabus i think a recommended reading uh is the uh the chili pepper second album of freaky styly uh is very interesting because it is produced by george clinton and lives in a much more it's like they are a funk band so kind of that is interesting and, and exciting and and just experiment with different orders through blood sugar sex magic um and you'll like realize 
realize that there are, I mean, in addition to the big, big hits under, uh, under the bridge and give it away, you'll also recognize probably suck my kiss, um, probably breaking the girl, um, yep. and, uh, and, and probably, um, sort of psycho sexy, um, especially if you were an adolescent or pre adolescent and is like, ha ha sexy. Um, uh, which was, I think my, I, my awareness of sort of psycho sexy is like, there's a song. Can you believe there's a song called sir psycho sexy um well i never <laughs> it's blowing my nine-year-old mind um and uh and and so you know prepare to have your uh, non-nine-year-old mind blown but not necessarily in a good way um so just i think that's that's the other thing is is that you know, it is, it is a challenge. And so prepare yourself with some red hot chili peppers coping strategies. Uh, and, and again, maybe not. Maybe, you know, the nostalgia has held, held up for you. Maybe you experience this, um, as, as a whole. And I'd love to kind of hear about that as well. But for me, as, as someone who had been a, a singles listener, um, and had never owned the album, uh, at the time that it was out, approaching the album was a confound, it was an alien. It's rare that I am alienated and confounded, uh, and and Matt and I found ourselves uh, just that. Uh, the other thing, uh, the other thing that I'll say about this record, uh, you know, after co-signing all of that, is that the singles are not clustered together, right? right. So there are like different movements. It's up to "Suck My Kiss," up to "Under the Bridge," right? Up to "Sir Psycho Sex." Oh, I missed "Give It Away," but it's uh, uh, "Give It Away," then uh, "Blood Sugar Sex Magic," and "Under the Bridge." I guess that is a little dense, and then uh, up through "Sir Psycho Sex." And and track seventeen, they're red hot, is is kind of like the Cindy Lauper inclusion of "She's So Unusual" in the yeah. like the nineteen twenties flapper style at the end of that record, uh, which. Um, uh, Chris Gow uh, really criticized her for. This is a similar sort of move with the. Uh, the kind of throwback uh, stylings of of their red hot. So uh, yeah. So no matter how mired you are, you're not that far from uh, from a high point, right? And it's kind of like it's like you you ascend, you climb laboriously up to a plateau, you know, right. <laughs> and then. Yeah, and then uh, kind of can rest at the plateau um, a little bit. So we, that's a yeah. good way to view it, right? Yeah, take your, you know, building your rests, right? Like this is like, don't try to climb Mount uh, Mount Sex Magic uh, uh, in in one go. Building your rests, uh, uh, unless you are um, you're already acclimated um, to the to the high sexual altitudes. <laughs> <laughs> if you already have 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 uh, thinned blood sugar. Uh, from 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 training at altitude on Mount Sex Magic, uh, then then proceed directly to to the summit of Mount Sex, Ma- Sex Magic. All right, we'll give you now the opportunity to put us on pause. Go back and listen to uh, the Uplift Mofo Party Plan. Not an Uplift Mofo Party Plan, but the Uplift Mofo Party Plan and Blood Sugar Sex Magic from... And, and that is Sex Magic with a K, not with a C. It oh, is yeah. Except no substitutes with a C. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I guess they did that so it could be trademarked or something like that. Uh, kind of the way the churches or, has a V in it. 
or maybe it's because there's no actual magic in it. Mm. <laughs> like, so it's like Fruit Loops with the uh, the the two O's, so that it does not imply that there's any actual fruit. There's, no, right? the cake, there's no actual magic. <laughs> there's no magic in blood sugar sex magic. But you're going to listen to it now and uh, come back to us uh, after you have and after this word from our commercial sponsor. Have you hit rock bottom? Oh, yeah. I mean, if it were possible to go lower, I would. But uh, it's rock bottom. That's why they call it that. It must be embarrassing to be doing that just out in the open with everyone being able to see you. I mean, I feel like I'm so exposed and humiliated in front of my friends and in front of total strangers. Why not just crawl under a bridge? Why? I feel so secure here. That's right. Under this bridge, downtown or in any town, you can hit your rock bottom in peace and contemplate the utter kind of shit that your life has become. (laughs) Wow. Thanks, Bridge. You're covering all my shame. You'll never get out from under me. I'm a bridge. (laughs) And we're back. It was not clear in that commercial what, uh, who was advertising the bridge, right? <laughs> it was it was kind of a dating ad, I think. It was it was a personal ad for bridges, uh, and and bridges just want someone to be under them. Yeah, the well, I, it's interesting to think about bridges, right? Like in in uh, uh, kind of municipal architecture and like the the kind of plan of of cities, bridges, highways, things like things like that, right? Like they they create derelict spaces. You know, they create a kind of a a sort of urban negative space, a sort of urban, like a space of urban necessity or of like commuting necessity um, that that is always uh, it seems like always very poorly used by urban planners and by people who do zoning and people who sort of conceive of how these things are going to uh, how these things are going to come together. And, you know, uh, so much so that if you ever see a space under a bridge or under like an elevated train track or what have you, that's used well, right? Where, I don't know, they fit in some, uh, some bakeries, a bike shop, you know, uh, whatever record store, uh, underneath that bridge, it's always surprising, um, and always sort of fun. Uh, and you always look on with, with sort of approval to, uh, to see well, that, right? And you, you get it more and more now, right? I feel like that using the space under the bridge is more of a feature of this kind of a, a kind of, um, you know, contemporary movements in, in urbanism that are kind of, of trying to strike a balance between kind of planning and an organic, right? And Robert Moses, um, planning and a Jane Jacobs, a kind of organic accumulation, right? So I think about things like the High Line, right? Uh, in New York City, right? Which takes, um, old elevated uh, train tracks and turns them into a a elevated park uh, with then um, retail kind of throughout and retail residential um, and and kind of uh, office buildings kind of interspersed throughout at different levels right and so there's there is a a balance of kind of careful planning and, and zoning um, and and rehabilitation alongside then um, kind of organic use uh, both commercial and and personal right and and I think that this is this is interesting because uh this is not the era that we are in uh, on these albums right no like, yeah we're we're in the we're like at the beginning of the 90s we're about to start i mean we're in uh we're about to start the clinton years right and so we're in the kind of the movement 
different to uh, to sort of the exurbs, to the sort of far out suburbs, right? Like suburban development has already happened. White flight has already happened. Uh, you know, Mad Men ended, right? New York has done. This is a sort of early, I, I guess, pre-Giuliani the, the, or the like. Warriors, yeah, the Warriors have warred. Right, right exactly. Right? Yeah, and in the bombed out, uh, in the bombed out uh, remains of what, the, of what they left, you know, um, or like what what uh, what was left when AIDS decimated the gay community in in New York in a lot of uh, large urban centers, right? Uh, we're in we're actually like we're getting to pink re- peak rent, you know, uh, rents about to or actually the period that rent chronicles is sort of uh, is sort of ramping up, and so we're like the the movement right like over the next couple of years is going to be. Uh, is going to be exurban and and so now now at the uh, when I say now I mean 1991 late 80s early 90s um, the inner city right is a sort of scary place and it's it's a code for black a lot of the time it's a code for poor uh, you know economically depressed uh, uh, huge drug uh, penetration into into those um, into those areas and so when you're talking about like downtown Los Angeles now downtown Los Angeles is a playground for oligarchs. You know, it's just all oligarchs, right? You all go, oligarchs. Everywhere yeah. you go, is ju- you know, you just see oligarchs uh, in their Teslas and the um, uh, and the sort of the the contemporary movement of like uh, L.A. as as being this sort of model of the the. Uh, the what the constellation of high density areas that are linked by bike paths or light rail or you know or what have you that's all uh, none of that none of that exists uh and you know, if, this this painting of this context leads me to a question <laughs> i'm glad we got there eventually yeah, and it's you know, you know we've been setting. Well, it's like one of these things where if you're setting, if you can only push so far on the world record for how quickly the question is asked. So now the the records have to be set on the other end, right? And so like I imagine uh, some at some point we will um, have an episode in which we do not ask each other a, a question for discussion uh, until minute fifty seven uh-huh. uh, or something like that. But so this is the starting, right? We're we're setting a new kind of world record, um, and so uh, of the the longest time to question. Um, but I think that this is, I mean, especially because we're moving uh, back, uh, we're context shifting, um, the context is important in asking the question. And I think that, so in this picture that we've painted of um, of late 80s, early 90s, uh, Los Angeles, um, you know, these red hot chili peppers, you know, with... With their power of equality um, and their and their bridges that they are under um, and 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 their um, and their mofo uh, party plan and their funky crimes, are they an alternative band? <laughs> um, I mean, I think the answer is a qualified yes. Uh, I think baked into their DNA is is something about. Um, not not only kind of the punk the LA punk scene's rejection of more commercial uh uh and kind of mainstream music but also i mean wikipedia tells me that part of their early discourse was a sort of res- uh 
uh, a rejection of what they saw as uh, some bad social stuff, some bad social uh, aspects of the L.A. punk scene, um, specifically sort of misogyny or a, a kind of violent um, sort of violent uh, uh, imagery, right? Like uh, kind of an embrace of of, uh, of violence and fighting and as a sort of cathartic force um, that, uh, you know, and it's, it's interesting to me that uh, that a band with the the like supreme dick fixation that Red Hot Chili Peppers have, or maybe just Anthony Kiedis writing the lyrics uh, has, with just a, a like such a celebration of um, such a celebration of the most kind of silly juvenile uh a uh, uh, bombastically exhibitionistic kind of adolescent male sex drive um could be called anti-misogynistic but uh well you have to call you have to call out the phallus <laughs> right and he's just calling it out right because because the phallus is there um and it, it is is there uh imbued in in the patriarchy um and so if you don't call it out it, it continues to operate right and uh and you know there's already um you know phallocentrism and so so he is he, he like but you know it, you have to you have to call out the the phallus before you can level the phallus yeah I mean, is the hypothesis or the other thing is that it's it's hypocritical the, the, the alternative hypothesis is you know the i guess an alternative question is are the are the red hot chili peppers hypocrites uh, or were they hypocrites uh in the late 80s and early 90s uh in purporting to kind of combat misogyny do they just replace it with a new kind of misogyny well yeah i mean it depends you know i don't know i like uh, the way uh, not that the world needs me to sort of mansplain misogyny but the the way i distinguish between like structural sexism and and misogyny is the element of intent Right. And that like, uh, you know, sexism is just in the air we breathe. It's the kind of the, the structural um, composition of society so that it disadvantages women. And, and misogyny is the kind of the the uh, the uh, the virulent aspects of that, the sort of the the uh, the most aggressive um, and kind of unchecked uh, aspects of that. So so like in that, if you accept that typology, right, it's possible for something to be both uh, to be both sexist and um, uh, to be both sexist and misogynist. Though though a little bit, uh, uh, right, like a little bit... And, and, and like, I, I don't want to be sort of accused of saying that boys will be boys, but a little bit like the, one of the things that having a band does and kind of confining this attitude towards uh, into a kind of a performative space is that it kind of creates a representational safe space for it, uh, which I, th- that's a contemporary term, not really an, an 80s or a 90s term. But it, it draws a, a circle around it, right, in, in a way that, that it, you kind of you kind of minimize the harm uh right a little I mean, bit it's it's funny that you say that because if you look at the cover of the uplift mofo party plan it is there's a circle drawn around the red hot chili peppers and they're kind of like swirling as if down a toilet <laughs> right um and, and I, I you actually um i i feel like that that is a, a decent representation of that idea um of of the the kind of boys the boys zone uh with a z uh it's a, two z's uh one at the end of boy and the uh 
uh, boys and the other uh, at the beginning of zone. Um, the boys zone is is contained. Um, but I think what's what's tricky is that once you get to blood sugar sex magic, right? Like, so it's one thing of like you create this representational safe space in these kind of clubs, right? In the clubs of of LA, in these in these um, whatever kind of um, small venues they are playing in, and it's this kind of sweat, sweaty, self contained uh, boys zone. Um, but that by the by the time of um of blood sugar sex magic um the faces are are unswirled and they're actually unconstrained uh they're 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 still coming together they're still self-referential um and in dialogue with one another with their um with their kind of tribal tattoo tongues um um uh in their four-way makeout session um but the, the the boundary right there's no more circle drawn around um in fact uh they're they're uh they're they're they are entering from outside of the frame of the album cover um, uh, indicating that they kind of have unconstrained movement inside and outside of the album, right? And and, and, and it, also they are creating the circle around the rose to entrap the the feminine rose right within the right. within the thorny uh, the thorny reach of their tribal tattoo tongues, right? And 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 I think that and and part of what that is also by removing that cir- the fame erases that circle or blurs the circle, right? That that um, that you have this space um where you kind of create this this kind of constrained space but then uh, interestingly right that you have this space um and i think they they had you know some amount of um major la- major label um uh, uh, support, but um, from what I've kind of read, were, were kind of hated by the by their label um, at the time of their their first when their first two albums were out and they were um, uh, recording um, uh, uplift mofo party plan um, uh, and then you know by the time of uh, of uh, you get around to blood sugar sex magic and there's one other intervening um, album um, mother's milk um, you know that they they switched labels they switched producers uh, to Rick Rubin they have a um, uh, a new guitar to, a, a, new, a new guitarist and that that they they are poised to blow up and they do right um, and it's, a, it's a huge album huge singles um, and they're they're um, you know, starting to play, you know, they start to play arenas, uh, shortly thereafter they're playing, um, the, you know, the, the, the Woodstock anniversary, um, uh, you know, a few years on in the, um, in the nineties. Right. And so that you're kind of moving, um, it's, it's, you know, one thing where the, you know, when the, um, the naked guys with socks are in a, um, you know, a, a LA, um, strip club kind of, uh, as a piece of, of kind of confounding, um, performance art. Uh, and it's another when they're on the cover of Rolling Stone, which I believe they were, um, uh, you know, maybe maybe five to ten years after the original sock, sock stunt, right? So that so the circle has the circle gets blurred in part because I mean I, I'm almost imagining like little these like these these spaces of of broiness being um, you know in in little soap bubbles and and you you I kind of imagine the record company grabbing this bubble and popping it and then and then amplifying. What was inside the bubble? <laughs> I mean, that was, I, that was. I think that you know, there there probably is a historical account of indie music that could uh, that bears that that would bear that out. That there was a sort of uh, 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 maybe an increasingly misogynistic 
um, attitude, right? Like that kind of coincides with the coincides with the rise of of Red Hot Chili Peppers. The social history of of indie music is, you know, is a, a really interesting uh, topic, and would be, you know, uh, it would it would be great if there were like a popular a popular history, a sort of reference work, um, you know, uh, that we could uh, that we could listen to. I mean, we could uh, make a Broadway musical out of it and, and make as much money as Hamilton. <laughs> it would not be called Kitas. Uh, yeah, I was just saying, it's like how did how did a shirtless, long haired, <laughs> sock wearing bro and his buddy flee who played the bass slapping funkily? Uh, yeah, and so on. The um, I'm not going to give it away. Give away. Give away my shot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think it writes itself. <laughs> um, yeah, the the uh, like the interesting movement I think from uplift moho par- mofo party plan to me. Um, oh, oh, so I I still haven't I still haven't answered the question, have I? About whether this is whether this is an alternative whether this is an alternative band. I mean, the answer was was a, a qualified yes because they saw themselves as an alternative, right? They saw themselves as an alternative form of practice, uh, both to what was the dominant uh, commercial mainstream and to uh, what was the sort of the excesses they felt of the the Los Angeles indie punk scene. Um, but then then they got less alternative because they got famous right and and when you're on the i mean what are you really the alternative to when you're on the cover of rolling stone right yeah well i think that this is interesting and i i, I posed the question because i think this is going to be an important part it's as, as an important part of the discourse as we approach the 90s as the indie question um is to our contemporary period right um and and, and it is so and so an indie band um you know the kind of this question and, and the discourse around alternativeness um is interesting and starting to plumb the origins of that and and its meaning um i think are going to be a big part of considering as we start to consider um the movement from the 80s into the 90s. And I want to point out something really interesting in your answer there um, is that um, alternativeness is a two-way street, right? And and I, and I think this will be something that we'll want to kind of keep re- keep an eye on and keep returning to, is that there is um, so from the, the per- perspective of the artist or kind of from the supply side, right, that there's supply side alternativeness of what are we an alternative to, right? What is what, is, um, what are we making and how does it different from what what is being made? Um, but then there is there's um, um, the um, alternative from the perspective of the fans. There's demand side alternativeness, right? And so that uh, when I'm in the marketplace uh, of music, or when I'm I'm kind of aligning myself, right? Whether you think about it as political affiliations uh, and and aligning yourself with a with a um, a leader, or a, po- a political unit, uh, an identity group, uh, or or just as a as a market, and you're kind of just choosing between market uh, between products. Um, that the um you know that that then it's what are the alternatives that you're choosing between and I, I think it's worth distinguishing between these two modes of being alternative um because they sometimes overlap but they don't always overlap and I think that um that that our under the shifting notions of uh, alternativeness may have to do with the um with the way that these overlap and I think are mediated by some of these kind of forces of um of the music industry that we were 
talking about before with respect to kind of the the capturing and blowing up of the bubble right? it's, it's worth pointing out before we before we dive into the records a little more uh you know a little more specifically that like i don't know if this happened in your teenage years but in mine uh among the people i hung out with alternative became a pejorative term used to describe posers right who adopted uh you know some of the the like dress styles or listen to some of the music but were not in our view uh sufficiently appreciative of of either the political message or of the kind of the aesthetic qualities uh they didn't really understand pearl jam the way we really understood pearl jam wait wait so can you use that like usage of alternative in a sentence well it would be it would be used in in the form of mocking someone oh look at that guy over there he's like i'm so alternative (laughs) i wear bondage pants i have safety pins i'm alternative god what a dipshit right like it would be something like it would be it would be used in in that context right that's interesting i don't i actually it's interesting that i i don't remember and again this is uh, i'm a little younger than you i don't remember a lot of the usage of alternative um in uh in in kind of as an identity marker of i am alternative but i think that i did use it in terms of classifying bands and i think it was it was you know right and so like uh, sorry. Yeah. One, uh, one of the, uh, one of the reasons for that probably is that like, uh, ground zero for alternative rock was, uh, K rock 106.7 in, um, uh, in Los Angeles. Right. Like, and it was, uh, it was just a, a huge force in, in promoting this music and, and, uh, and moving it forward. And so if you listened to that station, which we all did all the time, um, you, you just heard that word so much that it became part of our discourse. I mean, I think this is interesting, right? And I think this is a good way to kind of pivot to talking about some of blood sugar, sex magic, and then kind of going back. I think it makes sense to start at blood sugar, uh, sex magic and go backwards in part because, um, landing in '87 will set us up to kind of then march back uh, the long the long march up up Mount Sex Magic, um, and <laughs> uh, uh, and 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 I think that. In in thinking about this a little bit, again, going back to the kind of two-sided alternativeness and, you know, wh- why – I don't think I was necessarily aware of this at the time, but that the – in terms of – right, the, if the Chili Peppers understood their alternativeness as a alternative to things that were going on in the underground, um, I think was like a lot of this, right, that they were not necessarily saying we are like an alternative to – Madonna, right? Like, you know, uh-huh. or, you know, is that we're an alternative to fear, right? Um, or to, uh, right, uh, which was a, was an LA punk band, um, that, uh, was associated with some, some pretty, let's just say bad vibes. Um, or we're an alternative to Black Flag, where, um, I think X may not have, I'm not sure if X was still, uh, active at that time. Um, but like, you know, the, the previous, um, uh, uh X, or uh, Flipper, I think, who we've talked about on this podcast. Um, Fikes Flipper was uh, was maybe Northern California, but this kind of you know that that some of these kind of more violent, more misogynistic, um, more broy components, um, but that 
um, as it becomes a, a kind of marketing segment, and once you're kind of talking about something as al- alternative at the level that you know young me or young you were aware of it, that it's alternatives to other things that are on MTV, right? Uh, I think, uh, and 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 I think that it maybe especially be kind of alternative to kind of heavy metal, hair metal, um, and and kind of alternative to the kind of to to pop, right? Um, I think it's alternative to the it's it's an alternative to the 80s right um and 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 to all three streams of the 80s right and 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 it's an, this interesting idea um of the kind of endogenous uh alternativeness of the underground is is one of kind of lots of of diversity um and in fact that's what we kind of as we were talking about the 80s you see a proliferation of different kinds of styles and kind of fragmentation um and and and, and there's this kind of question of how do we get to the 90s and there is a sense of this kind of alternative move this kind of uh, the capturing of alternativeness is is interesting because um weirdly by being alternative to uh, simultaneously to um pop to hair metal to new wave and to hip hop like once you're alternative to all of those then weirdly that kind of creates um it, it becomes anti diversity right so if if what is mainstream yeah. is actually is 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 very diverse and is richly textured and 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 has a lot of things by being alternative to that um it, you start to be pro homogenous right um and and i think that's very odd and very surprising um for the chili peppers who themselves are this band that is a fusion right and and is this it's interesting hybrid and working through of multiple genres but that my kind of understanding of them again is from these singles um and it's so odd right because you listen to the two biggest singles um give it away and under the bridge and they don't sound like each other um very much at all right that uh, give it away is kind of in some ways a kind of pinnacle of their kind of their funk rap funk rock kind of hybrid i think it's kind of like the the kind of the best coming together of that style um and and under the bridge is kind of the first and still probably the best of of this kind of the more uh balladic and kind of a uh, more nightmare pop kind of uh, rad chili poppers that we talked about last week um and 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 yet right so they don't necessarily sound similar um even within like the the context of a single album and yet the in my mind and it's again hard to think about this um you know like but at the time they were i was like of course this is this is somehow uh, because it is alternative to all of these other things this is like nirvana right this is like this is this is like Weezer, right? That uh, that the, these things are united um, because they have guitars, but not spandex. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, if you want to destroy my gym sock, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. So I mean, and so I think that I, I don't know. I think that 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 there is a sense. I mean, of these two, do you have an, I mean, an, uh, an entry point on either of these two and kind of, um, what they're doing? Cause I, I think for me, these are just like these indelible songs, right? These are just like, I mean, um, uh, that, I mean, we talk about sacred texts. I mean, not even that they're sacred texts. It's just like part of the operating system, right? That these are like, um, e- e- both give it away and, uh, and, and I think especially under the bridge, it's just like, I don't know. I must have just seen them so many times. Uh, 
Um, well, and, that, okay. And- so like the, like, uh, I, I actually, let's start with, I, I feel like if we're going to go backwards, Right. If we're going to sort of tell a story in reverse that can then be reconstructed into a narrative that makes sense, we should start at Under the Bridge. Right. Because it's of a piece with the kind of nightmare ballad that you talked about last week in um, uh, in the getaway that sort of that that this this is the strain of Red Hot Chili Peppers that gets expanded to a whole album uh, yep. during the getaway, right? And, and uh, you know, Give It Away is still like in the, you know, what I got, you got to get to put it in you, what I got, you got to get to put it in you. Um, yeah, it's, it's sexy rock funk, right? <laughs> right, it's it's in the kind of uh, Sir Psycho Sexy vein, which is, which is a, a, I, I feel like we need to arrive at an account of that song um, as well. Uh, and then there'll barely be time for uh for uplift mofo party plan which I is i think we have you've set out a very good uplifting mofo p- uh, party plan uh, Traje- trajectory yeah oh the party plan yes I've made- I, that's the thing is you have to plan your party right like the party doesn't plan the, the uplift mofo party doesn't plan itself so the the um the city conceived as female here uh there there is a kind of mutuality to the relationship there's a kind of equality and kind of mutual recognition in the relationship that actually marks it as as a more evolved vision than a lot of the the very deeply sexist stuff uh in like in sir psycho sexy um and the uh the the slightly less you know uh the slightly less virulent sexist stuff on on uplift mofo party plan uh if if that's even the right word for for that earlier uh that earlier record, but like, um, I drive on her streets cause she's my companion, right? Like there's an aspect of permission here because she's my companion. I'm allowed to drive on her streets. I walk through her hills cause she knows who I am. She sees, uh, my good deeds and she kisses the windy. Well, I never worry. Uh, now that's a lie, right? Um, I don't ever want to feel like I like I did that day. Take me to the place I love. Uh, take me all. Uh, take me all the way. Right. The, so so this is a sort of this is a sort of mediation between the um, between the the city as jungle and the city as paradise. Uh, uh, the the city as paradise city. Right. Like the city is kind of place of danger, uh, and the city is sort of place of of refuge from. Uh, uh, from danger and and well, because the city has become self-aware, right? <laughs> and which is is uh, is appropriate because we're about what a year out from Terminator Two, a little right? bit. Right? Like, <laughs> so that there is uh, the like, which is also you know the other maybe famous. I think that that uh, that under the bridge and Terminator Two are ba- about the two most iconic uh, uh, two two uh, two two iconic presentations of early two thousand uh, early sorry not early early nineties um, Los Angeles, right? Like. Um, uh, which is like interesting. All right, so yeah, the, there's there's this there's a the, there's kind of we're in the sentient city, right? Um, a little, yeah, a little bit, and like it it sort of uh, it makes affordances for its it makes affordances for its devoted acolytes, right? Right. It makes affordances for its for its loyal uh, its sort of loyal subjects, and there's a real there's a real vulnerability, right? There's a sort of real recognition of of 
uh, uh, you know, being self-destructive, being fallible um, in the, you know, in the way uh, in the end, the sort of bridge section or the kind of ending, uh, ending movement of this, um, you know, under the bridge downtown, I gave my life away. That, th- that is a, a kind of self-awareness that doesn't, that that doesn't necessarily permeate every aspect of Red Hot Chili Peppers songwriting. Yeah, I mean, it is. It. I mean, what else? I think that this is interesting. What is what is interesting about this? That it's. I mean, I I think that 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 what is interesting about. I mean, I guess it's it's worth kind of I guess continuing to. I guess as we are getting starting to look backwards. Um, I, I, it's, it's important to kind of contrast this with, I mean, you kind of set this up, um, as a contrast from, right. If we're saying that the Red Hot Chili Peppers and other alternative bands are alternatives in part to Guns N' Roses, right. And to, to metal, um, and, uh, that, Kind of like the kind of popular heavy metal, which still st- sticks around, right? And in this period, you have um, the Use Your, Use Your Illusion one and two albums, um, which are still quite successful as well. Uh, but they're already kind of existing in a post alternative environment um, as well. Is that, you know, this kind of style? I mean, I'm trying to think about, um, and I think you're right that this this level of self awareness, right? That 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 you know. Both, uh, in contrast to Welcome to the Jungle, You're Going to Die, or Take Me Down to Paradise City, where the grass is green and the girls are pretty, right? That this kind of recognizing the city, uh, of, of kind of living within the city and the, and the city living within you, right? And again, it's also in the, um, I believe it's in the, the second verse, right? Um, at least I have her love, the city she loves me, lonely as I am, together we, we cry, right? The city weeps too. And I think that there's something in this, in this move. I mean, you know, we're getting, you know, that this is a interesting move of, of kind of, you know, on an album that still has, and I think we should still talk about some of the other, you know, start to then um, connect this to, to some of the other, um, the the kind of the 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 less self aware um, funk rap songs funk rap rock songs um, that are that are on this album and, and kind of stretch back in the eighties because I think what you see here is this movement towards a certain kind of like singer songwritery for realness right uh, and, and but in this mode of now being. Um, you know, that, that it's meaningful that this is happening on this album that is kind of alternative rock, right? It's not, it's not folk. It's not singer songwritery. It is, um, it, it is that, that the, the rock stars are reflecting, right? Um, there's, there's, there's reflexive rock. And that's part of the kind of alternativeness is that, that this kind of, um, and, and, and it's not the whole album. Um, but it's kind of opening that door. Um, and, yeah, and, and, these are the these are the lonely superstars, right? The, the, right? Or the like the the genesis. This is the like the the birth of a lonely superstar, uh, right? In that sense of in that, that sense of introspection, in that sense of being able to be alone in public, um, right? It's like a city. It's a private relationship with the city, and a city is a civic space with a lot of uh, you know with a lot of de- residents, with a lot of devotees, with a lot of relationships, uh, but. Um, 
um, there's something there's something about it that even in the midst of that teeming mass, you can you can kind of find this space for you can find the space for self reflection or you can find the space for quiet individuality. Yeah, and it's it, and and by doing this, right, it, it kind of creates an expectation that you know our our pop superstars, our rock superstars ought to be for real, right? So it's, it's kind of taking punk's fixation on authenticity, um, and for realness and combining them with the kind of, um, the widescreenness of the kind of various kinds of, of, of popular musics of the eighties. Yeah. It's an right? interesting, and, it's an interesting thing because the, not the, the for realness of the punk of like a lot of, a lot of punk is a sort of performative, for realness, right? Like I'm for real because I'm doing it now in front of you, right? Like the, the, the sort of the excess is happening live, right? The, the, um, the, the, the feats of strength of the, the feats of endurance, the feats of self-destruction are being performed, uh, in front of you as a kind of proof, right? That I am who I say I am. And this, this is a slightly different spin on that. It's like, it's, you know, um, I, I'm for real because I know myself for real, yeah. right? Like I'm for real because I introspect, uh, for real because I see more deeply than, uh, than other people do. Yeah. In that way. So it's the seeds of, of, of emo, the seeds of Drake, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. It was, we've got views from under the bridge, right? <laughs> yeah. And a little right. bit, I mean, a little, right. Exactly. Uh, and a little bit like there, there's this s- slight ethic for it. I started to think about the mountain goats and, and to think about, uh, young Georgia, young John Darnielle and all the things he was going through. Um, there's, there's a realness in suffering, right? Like there's a realness in having having gone through something uh uh personal right and that that may be it like the kind of the the main strand of punk right has to do with uh almost a class identification right it's almost yeah. a populist uprising in the you know pre-thatcherite uh but kind of like le- leading up to thatcherite years you know where uh right where like uh disaffected uh disaffected britons who now have aged into voting for the brexit i guess right like uh had this kind of underground uh populist uprising and the 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 model of the model of suffering or the model of like group membership is much more individual it's it's a it's a group membership of of individuals of kind of isolation and of of alienation um alienation from your fellow uh from your sort of fellow city dwellers as you as you sort of look out from under the bridge and i suppose watch the city team by watch the city team across the bridge right Right. that you that you sit under i mean i think there's an interesting thing right if there's realness in suffering then is it and i think that there's that's absolutely true is then the is there unrealness in the party well, at this point, may I mean maybe there is. I I don't think so on Mofo uh, Uplift Mofo Uplift Party. Plan. I mean, this is though the best laid the the best laid uplift Mofo Party plans of mice and men off go awry. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. It, it might make sense to no, talk right, that, right. That, that like you make your uplift pl- uh, party plan, but you still end up uh, you still end up under the bridge because you were 
looking for heroin for your Uplift Mofo party. Well, let's okay. Let's uh, let's go to. I mean, let's go to Uplift Mofo party plan. Uh, pausing only to say that. Um, pausing only to say that the rest of Blood Sugar Sex Magic, like uh, it's, it has all uh, all the pleasure of like uh, sitting in the garage with an adolescent jam band while they noodle and make up <laughs> lyrics about nothing, and right. Uh, uh, like give it give it away and and by uh, sir psycho sexy is this i mean is this sort of it's this adolescent vision like if he was 14 i might you know i might be willing to say ah this is a very gifted 14 year old who has given voice to his uh incohate uh adolescent like deeply immature like uh deeply sort of selfish and very very confused view of of what relations between the sexes are are like there's a devil in my dick and some demons in my semen. Right. Exa- exactly. Like the, uh, but the sort uh, But again, yeah. you know, at nine, I, 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 you know, hope to only be that cool when I was 14. Right. Let absolutely. Al- let alone in my, what, 20s, probably, or almost 30s, probably. Oh, oh my God. What do I have to do to put the devil in my dick? Right. And, and uh, it, like, especially the, the got stopped by a lady cop uh, verse is just just a, a virulently misogynistic and and uh, probably, you know, I don't know, like uh, probably just constitutes some sort of violation that you undergo just by just by listening to it and and give it away now. Right. Like, uh, though, it's supposedly about altruism. It isn't. It's, it, you know, uh um right it's about dick uh and that uh it's about being being generous with dick and if if it's about altruism it's about altruism in the same way that that a lot of kanye west's uh fixation on his generativity is sort of altruistic generativity he's uh anthony kiedis is generous with his dick like kanye is you know yeah, well, that's interesting, right? Is that um, so? Right, he like Anthony Kiedis is a leader, not a follower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, wh- whatever he is, uh, he would rather be a dick than a swallower. Though what you know, though the what he is is, I guess, left as a uh, as an exercise to the reader. Um, Uplift Mofo Party Plan, by contrast, has like it's it's funky broish rap rock, but there's a sense. There, there's really a kind of exuberance and a, a sort of uh, all the all the fuck you on this record is pretty harmless because it's really about how I want to hang out with my friends, right? Like yeah. it's yeah. it's it's uh, it's not misogynistic, uh, broish rap rock. It's homosocial broish rap rock. Uh, a little bit like there's even a song called called uh, "Me and My Friends." Uh, me and my 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 friends. Uh, and right, like uh, he's as close to me as a friend can be. I'll be standing by my buddy. He'll be standing by me. Just another half of the two-headed freak. Uh, but I need him like my heart needs to beat. Right. This is stuff like you know to become one. This is like this is a love song. You know, this is like uh, uh, this is a sort of you know we're part of each other's 
kinds of uh, uh, we're 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 part of each other kind right. kind of say, you you complete me, bro. Yeah, exactly. And that like because you know I don't know because of that uh, a little bit like I if it's if it's a little immature if if it's uh, uh, perhaps a little socially retrograde. Um, I'm kind of willing to let it go a little bit because there's there's something so up with people about it, I guess. Well, I think that there's there as a little bit of um, uh, context is that you know that part of this kind of being together with my friends, um, and it, the earlier you go in the the Chili Peppers discography, the closer you get to like um, you know Chili Red Hot Chili Peppers 1.0. And I think this is like a surprising thing, um, you know, as we were kind of planning this um, move backwards from um, from now um, back to the 80s. I was kind of surprised, right? That I, I knew that there, there, you know, since they broke big in in ninety one, that there must have been some amount of bubbling underground before um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. But I didn't know how far those roots went, right? And they go back like to like eighty four, I think, right? That yeah. um, uh, at least as a band, right? And so Uplift Movo Party Plan is their third studio album, <laughs> right? Uh, and and I think what's uh, striking about it is that by the time of this album, right, by nineteen eighty seven. So, you know, well before the 90s, well before um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, there have already been multiple um, lineup shakeups, right? So that this is weirdly a – that long before many people may have realized that the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, existed, um, that that the band had broken up, reconfigured, and reunited, right? This is, this is, the, this is the reunion uh, album of a three- or four-year-old band. Um, and, and again, to a bunch of 20 year olds, it's like, it's amazing, right? That you have this, it's like, it, it's amazing to contrast this with the getaway, right? So that, uh, that, you know, in, in 1987, they're like, we did it. It's is the red hot chili peppers reunion album. We're back, baby. <laughs> like we made it the long haul from 1984 to 1987. <laughs> and then, and now, you know, now in, in 2016, right near, nearly 30 years after this, um, um, they, they put out another album, right? Uh, and it's still at, at the core, right? And there's, I guess, these like kind of layers. If we're kind of thinking about, there's like, there's kind of a friendship onion with with layers here, right? Of the different members um, uh, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers over time. And at the core of the onion, at the center of the onion, uh, is um, is Anthony Kiedis uh, and Flea, right? Who were high school friends, um, who were were kind of the heart of the band and have been present in basically every iteration of the band um, over the the thirty, um, nearly thirty five year history of the band. Um, and so this is, and they've um, been tra- right after. After uh, after um, Uplift Mofo, they get joined by Chad Smith, who's been the drummer uh, right. since um, 1989 or something like that. And so, so that like that part of the band has been has been uh, has been stable right. uh, even since that time. And then and then gu- the guitarists have sort of famously uh, uh, shifted. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, and so this is the last album with um, Hillel Slovak, who was kind of their kind of early, um, he, he was one of the found, founding members, and so like the, the kind of first chapter of Red Hot Chili Peppers um, has a lot to do with, um, with the, and the kind of guitar sound on those um, albums, including um, and kind of reaching its apex at a Mofo Party Plan, has a lot to do with um, Hillel, uh, Hillel Slovak's work, um, and then he passed away um, shortly after the recording of this album, um, of I believe of a drug overdose, um, um, yeah, of a heroin overdose, um, and, and you know during this period, um, both he and Anthony Kiedis are in and out of um, in and out of rehab, um, and and that that's um, very much there um, in the background. Um, but the the, the sense of um, this was uh, the first album. Um, of uh, after Hillel Slovak had left the band for a period of, of reuniting, right? So that there is a sense of the band is back together, um, and that that and you know that um, uh, on the previous uh, albums, right? That Freaky Style was great, and I think that um, and, you know, and like I had said, was produced um, by George Clinton, uh, and their first album, the um, the self titled um, Red Hot Chili Peppers from '84, uh, um, was produced by Andy Gill. Um, who is is known at, from um, the British post punk band um, Gang of Four. The, the, there's a sense of um, by um, the Uplift um, Mofo Party Plan, uh, which was produced by Michael Beinhorn, who's a like much at that time, much more less known kind of um, producer and kind of associated with uh, the studio that like. That was enabling, like he kind of um, created the bro circle, right? And, and enabled the, the the guys to be to be guys and to enjoy each other. Um, and I and but again, I think that I, and I, I alluded to this earlier. I think that the title, as much as it is this um, really pain in the butt title, um, this uh, this uplift mofo uh, party plan, it, like it actually it's exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah. <laughs> right like uh that that um that that they have they've realized um even at this time of these kind of unpredictable uh uh drug addicted um uh kind of weirdos they realize that if they want to um to, to do this, if they, if they want to have a good time, right? Uh, uh, because they are mofos, because they are uh, they are they are motherfuckers. They are they are they are guys who will self sabotage, um, and and kind of uh, and tear apart uh, and destroy and self destruct. Um, they you have to plan, <laughs> right? That uh, you have to plan, and in planning you uplift, you empower, you create. Well, yeah, or you have to you have to plan to uplift or. Right, you have to plan to give it away, give it away, give it away now, uh, or else you will keep it all for yourself and and like slam it up your arm under the bridge, right? Well, yeah, 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 exactly. It's it, it reminds me a lot of you know another thing uh, of this along these lines that I engaged with in the 1990s as a, a kid. There's a saying, I believe it was, I forget if it was in the band room or the gym. Um, I guess it's interesting. I compartmentalize those similarly, but it was a motivational sign um, that was uh, th- that read, uh, "If you fail to." plan you plan to fail um and that that one and and i got that one a, a lot uh, I, I think i think uh my dad saw that one once um and so that one got thrown in my face quite a few times uh, um and and I, but I think it is interesting right well it's uh, one of those things it's also kind of as you as you get older you sort of realize well what kind of person am i am i the person who just likes to go out on saturday night and see where the night takes me or do i make uh, plans reservations buy tickets for music and you realize 
realize after going out enough times and like standing outside of clubs that you can't get into and restaurants that you can't get into that you better like that. It's uh, honestly, it's the plan that opens up the jam, you know, uh, that, that you better have an uplift mofo party plan, uh, or else your, uh, your Saturday nights are going to be pretty, uh, are going to be pretty, um, what, uh, pretty barren, I guess. Uh, well, yeah. This is very interesting, right? We've talked a lot about the need, and we've talked about it a little bit on this episode, but before, especially with uh, on our Sex Pistols episode, um, almost two years ago now, I guess, um, we we talked a bit about the need for someone to kind of draw a circle around the anarchy, and and usually that's someone outside of the group, um, and and the group you know is either unaware of it or just begrudgingly accepts it uh, and operates within uh, creates their anarchy within the circle. But I feel like that this is this interesting thing is that even at this age and in this stage in Red Hot Chili Peppers, they recognize the need for the circle, right? They rec- they they welcome the plan, um, and yeah, and- a little bit, right? And 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 they're also like they're very. They're very aware of the kind of the community aspects of of yeah. what they're doing. Like, and I'm thinking of organic anti beatbox band, uh, right? Which is really just a uh, just a who we are. It's like a rapping your name uh, yeah. song, right? Like, uh, we represent the Hollywood kids, and by that they mean they don't mean movie star kids. They mean like people who grew up in in Hollywood, who grew up in uh, you know they went to uh, Fairfax High School, right? Uh, uh, now, so, now, what does that mean? What does that mean at the time like you know like in in 87 you know 84 to 87 what does it mean to be a hollywood kid yeah well it's not it was not uh uh, it was kind of a rundown sort of urban, uh, uh, I mean, uh, kind of blue collar or, you know, not wealthy sort of neighborhood. Now anything, you know, now anything west of La Brea is, is super expensive or on its way to gent- gentrifying. And at the time, right, if you weren't like right on the beach or up in the Hollywood Hills or in a place like, like Beverly Hills, uh, or something like that, you were, you were in a sort of, uh, you were in a sort of limbo. You were in a sort of two story stucco apartment building uh you know um sort of normal normal person normal person limbo right and that that uh uh, I think that that comes through here in in their their sort of celebration of their uh, of their kind of normalness, right? Like Hollywood, uh, we represent the Hollywood kids. Hollywood is where we live, right? Uh, we represent the Hollywood kids. Organic anti beatbox band. Now, I, I don't know if anti beatbox is anti hip hop or if they're saying sort of less produced, anti electronic, right? Like we 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 play. Yeah, our, I think it's that. I think th- it's that. It's that we yeah. play our own instruments and we sort of create like the funky grooves and and whatnot. We create them. Yeah. Uh, ourselves. Yeah, yeah, they think outside of the beatbox. <laughs> yes. Uh, verse two. Uh, one comes from the Holy Land, uh, who is uh, Hillel Slovak, uh, who is from Haifa. Another was born in Australian, which is Flea. Me, I'm from Michigan. Uh, Anthony Kiedis is from Grand Rapids, right? And you can't. You're laughing. I'm laughing. You can't. You can't not laugh at this. And then well, you know I'm laughing because it's 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 basically the the rap um, from uh, Spice Girls from Wannabe, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> You've got M. You've got M in your face. Who likes it? Or I, I forget uh, all the all the the world. Uh, you know, it's and th- there's something slightly Beastie Boys ish about this as well, well right? Like, and, and they definitely slam your body down and wind it all around, 
Um, but that I, I, the point, the larger point I wanted to make, uh, uh, is that like this is this is sort of knitting closer the bonds of the circle, right? Yeah. The, it's yeah. a kind of incantation that that creates the circle and and reinforces it in the face of uh, you know the uh, in the face of uh, the commercial success that would soon overtake them, uh, in the face of a scene that might be somewhat hostile to what they're trying to do artistically, musically, uh, in the face of you know, just sort of the, the, uh, uh, in the face of, um, uh, uh, like personal demons, like drug addiction in the face of social forces that might try to tear the band apart. Cause they're, you know, they're 25. They're not kids at this point. Uh, I mean, they're kids in the sense that you're a kid when you're 25, but they're not, uh, they're not high school students a- anymore, but they have that, you know, but by kind of, by telling that origin story, um, they recognize that it, that it, uh, uh, they recognize that it it does it. So there's something like there's something sort of uh, motivational um, about it. And in in fight like a brave, uh, it's it's a similar yeah. it's yeah. a similar sort of thing, right? Fight like a brave. Don't be a slave. No one can tell you you've got to be afraid. And this this again, I think it's like it's a social fear. It's the sort of it's the the fear of the Reagan eighties, the kind of the the evil empire fear, right? Reagan's if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, yeah. right? Um, if you're sick of all the bullshit and you're sick of all the lives, it's better than never to set it to to set a set it straight, right? Yeah, and that's like it's that's a that is sort of sick and tired of being sick and tired is sort of a political slogan, uh, but it's it's kind of applied to the personal here, right? Like it's all it's all sort of of a piece, right? You don't have to be afraid of your own demons, right? You you should fight against them like a brave uh, and not be a slave to them. You don't have to participate in a uh, social or an economic order that you think is unjust, right? Or a, or a scene, a music scene that you think is uh, is unjust. You sort of fight like a brave. Now, uh, the kind of cultural appropriation in in fight like a brave, the sort of stereotyping there, right? Like uh, so you, you kind of have to bracket that in order to be uh, in order to appreciate this for how it's uh, for how it's intended. But this is an this is another one where there's a kind of sloganeering, right? There's a kind of psyching yourself up there's a kind of psyching yourself uplift mofo right there's a kind of party planning uh in in these that makes that that makes it um well yeah well and it's it's there right there's actually the spoken word in this song right whereas i am here today to pump up the uplift mofo party plan a plan based on a band a band based on a plan there shall be no slaves in the land of lands it's a hollywood jam yeah the land of lands is hollywood right like by the way they call it that in uh in organic beatbox uh anti-beatbox band um yeah and that that like that there there's a certain i mean uh, you know there's a certain amount of i mean there's a a certain amount of purity and and i guess i have to say i gotta i gotta end by saying um oh also there's a cover of subterranean homesick blues which right? is which is the i mean it's that's what you do you sort of take because it's a canvas everyone knows what it's supposed to be and so by doing the kind of the funky cover of it it you can kind of declare your you can kind of declare your independence or you can you can sort of use it as a manifesto because the song is a is a known quantity but um but uh 
in in sort of fight uh, in, and all these elements together probably because of this sort of this uh, innocent exuberance and this kind of up with people quality uh it's up with people quality of it like this is definitely my favorite of the three chili peppers records that we listened to over the last two weeks uh, i don't know how you feel i don't know if you want to uh to hang your hat on that um but i i definitely had the most fun listening to this one for sure yeah i mean i mean definitely i think that they're they're all interesting in their own ways um but i think that i i agree i mean this was also the most surprising in a lot of ways even though you would intuit what early chili peppers would sound like from you know from songs like give it away i think going to this is is rewarding and surprising right and 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 i think going one further like i've said to freaky sally is also interesting but freaky sally is like bizarre i mean um tft punk correspondent rachel um over me playing freaky sally and was like what is this right so at that point it was not and especially in the vocals uh and even in the styles it was not yet recognizable as the red hot chili peppers um and this is more so but in ways that are are kind of surprising and for that it's like worth a lot of uh, listens and there's a lot to kind of um unpack um especially if you it's like this is the thing right if you i I think this is like a lesson of these of the these two weeks of episodes if you liked the getaway Go listen to like listen to the the singles. Um, right, here's my like Red Hot Chili Peppers flowchart. <laughs> if you like the the good way the getaway, but somehow you don't really know the Chili Peppers, go and listen to the big singles uh, from uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Right, uh, l- listen to Under the Bridge, Give It Away, uh, uh, and Breaking the Girl. Um, um, uh, uh, and then once you uh, listen to those, go back to um, go back to Uplift Mofo Party Plan. Um, if you already know the singles, you kind of know them from that. Don't listen to the rest of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Just you know, do not pla- do not uh, pass Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Uh, do not collect two hundred dollars. Just go directly to Uplift Mofo Party Plan. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and that that is, that is uh, our Uplift Mofo Party Plan for you. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that there's a, and then you can maybe branch from there. Uh, in either direction, um, but it's 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 the right place to go, and it's where we'll be going as we consider our mar- continue our march back up um, Mount Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Excellent. Uh, that, that is the late '80s and early '90s. Well, it's time for me and my friends to uh, to what uh, walking on down the to walk on down the road. So uh, you know, um, let us know what you think of our uh, our now two our double episode uh, or our two episode consideration of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, whether Uplift Mofo Party plan surprised you whether uh you loved or hated uh revisiting blood sugar sex magic you can let us know on twitter at tft podcast on the facebook page or in the comments on the show notes for this episode uh we'll be back with more uh, uh with more tft podcast next week uh if you fight like a brave or uh if you fight like a dreaming samurai just remember you gotta keep it real